You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is your host, Barnsley, here with another pre-season episode. Team preview for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. My mortal enemies as a Roosters fan, but I do like some of the Supercoach options, I have to say. So, you know, Supercoach, throw your fandom out the window. You can't have a heart in Supercoach. you just got to go with your brain, go with your gut, leave the heart out of it. But I did get a South Sydney fan on board for this one to make sure that he make me pretty even keeled with my decision making and my discussion on Souths. And that is Andrew Goad from the We Got the Chocolates podcast, former cricketer as well, all around good bloke, and more importantly, a South Sydney fan. Andrew, welcome back on board, mate. Barnsley, thanks for having me, mate. It's um it's a great time of the year to be chatting footy. It's only just around the corner. It's fine, isn't it? So looking forward to chatting uh the best team in rugby league, mate. Well, you'll have to come on for the Roosters one next week, but other than that, I can just have a chat oh, okay. to you. No, I'm, so I'm, bi- I'm, I'm busy about that one, mate. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Well, look, you know, you've played a bit of cricket as well, but I have to say, you, we're chatting off here. The, the We Got the Chocolates podcast, that's kind of great guns, and you, sh- you should 100% give it a plug, but, I mean, your audience is bigger than mine now. You're you're going <laughs> great with that. Yeah, mate, the boys are flying. So, I was, yeah, as we said, we had a chat off here, and, um, yeah, we've got a couple of the boys are full-time now, which is good. They moved into their... um to their studio at West End, which is good fun. I get to go in there for a day a week and, and chat rubbish. I try and weasel in as much um, sport and footy in as we can. But no, mate, everyone, everything's going good. It's a it's an interesting industry to be in, as we were talking about off air. But uh, no, the boys are flying. Go follow We Got The Chocolates on all the socials and certainly on YouTube. And I, I just see it on Facebook all the time, mate, because honestly, like on those reels and stuff, you guys just seem to turn up all the time. It's, uh, it's a hilarious... I shouldn't even call it a podcast. I mean, it's a hilarious show that the guys that the guys all put on, and everyone should go and check it out. Bit of lighthearted fun, a bit of sport thrown in there, and, and everything else, and pretty much something I think everyone will enjoy. So go and check it out. But for this podcast, these are the preseason episodes where we preview a team. If this is the first one that you've tuned in on, well, you've missed out because we've already done a few teams, but. It is a few ground rules that we need to throw down for you as well if you're the first-time listener. And even not, it's a good reminder. We are talking team previews for Supercoach relevancy. We will talk about draw. We'll talk about ins and outs. But more importantly, when we're talking about plays, it is about starting your am one team. So, you know, don't get too upset if I say someone's irrelevant or I'm not interested and then and I buy them in six months and you say, Barnsley, you said six months ago you weren't going to buy this player. Most players will end up being relevant at some point. But when I say I'm not interested or they're irrelevant, most of the time it's, you know, looking at round one or that first month or two of the draw. That's what we're really looking for. But we will chat about that in a bit more depth. Uh, one thing that I do want to throw at you, Andrew, because we haven't chatted about this on any of the other episodes yet because we haven't tackled a team that's going to Vegas. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, well, actually, we no, we did tackle the Broncos, so that's a lie. But the first round is over two weeks. South City Rabbitohs are going to Vegas uh, they are going to have that jet lag afterwards and everything else. And it's definitely a bit of a different round one for the teams like the South Sydney Rabbitohs going to Vegas. Have you given any thought to that for your super coach team or even just for your team, South, and how that might affect them? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Um, I guess the main thing that I've sort of been thinking about, maybe a little sort of slightly left of the centre, is the the field that they seem to be playing over there uh, from all reports is a little bit narrower. I think it's 95. Uh, no. Sorry, it's a little bit. What is it? Five meters. Five meters narrower. Yeah. With five five meters narrower um, from side to side, which might be really good for the, you know those middle forwards with the heavy base stats, or or you know the edge back rolls or something like that. But maybe you know, the guys in the attacking positions, the fullbacks, the wingers, uh, even the halves, to an extent that that might just curb their scoring uh, for this first week. But um, I guess the, the the second side of that is uh, hopefully. Uh, all four teams, uh, let's say, behave themselves while they're over there and come back in uh, one piece. And there's not too many um, uh, shenanigans, so we say. So we're not missing them for a, a large part of the year. Well, there is that too. I've been to Vegas three times. And if, if I had the money that some of these footy players had and I had the youth and the singledom that some of these players had and I got to go to Vegas, <laughs> my God, what the things that I would do. Uh, it would 
<laughs> it's a big, big worry. It's it's a real it's a real head scratcher, isn't it? Because you you're sort of sitting there like just praying. Just come on, just come back. Twenty five players go over there. If we get twenty five coming back, uh, all with uh, good behaviour, then we're all happy. I think. Well, they're going to be in all the high rollers rooms and stuff. Like you don't actually have to throw down that much money. Like some of the places <laughs> are just like a few grand, especially some of the more run down places. Yeah, and like five grand will get you into the high rollers room where you got like free drinks and everything else and whatever else goes on in some of those high roller rooms, they're all going to be in there. They're all going to be treated like royalty. It's going to be quite interesting. Uh, One of the other things I'll throw to you that you didn't mention, we are going to talk about players like Latrell, but, I mean, players like him do have some fitness issues normally at the start of years. It it Mm -hmm. just happens. Also quite an injury history. Uh, When you're factoring jet lag and everything else, Mm -hmm. you know, I I could maybe see some of them a little bit lethargic. I certainly would not pick them for super coach, but it is something in the back of my head going, I wonder if some of these teams might start a bit slower in the early rounds. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it might not be one to completely and utterly rule them out, but if you know if there's a tiebreaker between two guys, let's say you're looking between you know a Latrell and Gutho, maybe maybe you're sort of going, well, you know, both are very good players, but maybe we go with Gutho because you know he's going to be in the country and he's going to be there, and he's going to be fit. So it's like you said, it's certainly not a you know a black line straight through them, but it, it it's just something to maybe keep in the back of their mind. Yeah, and the other thing too is I, I agree with you with the field. I think that can make a massive difference, but I think the thing that might counter that is. We all know that the the power and the sway that one Peter Vlandis has on sport. Yes. And I do wonder whether he's going to, you know, put out the invites to the referees that are going to be involved in this and say, boys, I want to take you to dinner before you uh, go over to Vegas <laughs> and then just put, put a quiet word on them that's fairly stern about you better not be blowing too many penalties and sending people off. This is an exhibition match. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> that could happen. We don't. We don't want to roosters uh, rabbits from a couple of years ago seven in the bin while we're over there, that's for sure. Yeah, you do wonder whether the NRL wants to toe the line a little bit and make sure it's a good enough spectacle for uh, for the US audience for their advertising. So there is that as well that might counteract the smaller field and the, and the lack of attack from that potentially. Look, let's talk about the, uh, the draw for South because we've already started to. One of the things with South's draw... I'll say this from a Roosters perspective and then you can give it to me from a South perspective. I don't like it, and I'm just going to say it straight out. Uh, they, they're playing the Sea Eagles, which is a decent matchup, but it's over in Vegas. Then they're going to play, what, 11 days later, the Brisbane Broncos, and that's going to be at Suncorp Stadium. That's pretty tough. And then they're going to play my Roosters, which is always a really big, high-emotion, physical, aggressive matchup, and that's going to be away, although it's you know not really anyway. But that's a that's a tough few weeks. And then the fourth game, they hit the Canterbury Bulldogs, which is a bit better, and that one's at home. Uh, then they've got two more home games against the Warriors and the Sharks. So before that round seven buy, and that round seven buy is a little bit of a thorn because it's not early enough not to pick teams, not to pick players from a team. But if they've got some harder matchups initially and then they've got a round seven buy, it is something to second guess. If you think to yourself, well, if I only pick one really good player from South's I'll wear the round seven bye. They come in out, out of that round seven bye and play the Storm in at Amy Park and then the Penrith Panthers. So it's really not a draw that I love for round one starting super coach options. But how did you see it as a South fan? No, I agree a little bit. And it sort of seems to be the way that it's been going the last few years with a few of, uh, we'll say, like the more high, higher profile sides. Um you know they they want to play good sides more often, so they're always going to play the Roosters twice. They're probably always going to play, you know, Penrith and Melbourne twice. It just sort of seems to be um, the way it's going. It sort of didn't really stop us in that first sort of ten or eleven games last year. We had quite a tricky draw um, up front last year as well, and we were on top of the table after the first ten rounds. But yeah, there's there's a few games in there which you know we'll, we'll say we probably should be winning. You never know what you're going to get with Manly. They could be, you know, they could beat anyone on the day, but they could also lose to anyone on the day. But it's not the best draw. Um, it's certainly not a Cronulla Sharks good draw. Um, they seem to get them every year, but uh, no, not not the best start. But you know, if if we get off to a bit of a fly, we might get a little bit of a roll on before that round seven bye. With the changes to the team, play movements, uh, Kepi comes across from Manly, which will be a, a welcome boost for the middle, and Jack White was obviously the big signing. Now, losses-wise, um, really nothing huge. You know, Tough did some good stuff, but he was a utility and a fill-in, really. Uh, CLA was solid, 
but you know it, you can lose him. Knight and Cartwright, yeah, you know some depth, but really Souths are pretty similar. And with the injection of Jack White into the back line, I think are probably a little bit more potent. I I sort of see them maybe slightly better than what they were, particularly when last year was a a bit of a disappointment, Andrew. But certainly. White should add a bit more class and a bit more punch into the back line. So, yeah, you probably got to give them credit. They're probably a little bit little bit better this year than what they were. Certainly should make the top eight. Yeah, absolutely. And I think not only, I guess, the fact that White's obviously gone, but I think even just by looking at the socials and stuff, it seems to be making Latrell and Cody, you know, they, they look quite happy at the moment. And South seems to be one of those teams where if they're happy, they play well. But if there's sort of, you know, whispers of it not being happy, like we sort of saw in the last eight to ten weeks last year, then all of a sudden they don't play their first best football. So I think Whiten, from that perspective, is going to be very, very valuable as well. And, and health has to be mentioned as well. Like last year, Latrell was out for a fair bit of it. And if he's healthy through the year for the most part, and if Cody Walker sticks on the field, uh, being you know, 35 this year, he's going to possibly have some niggles and mm-hmm. things. If if they're healthy, that's going to be a big change as well. So there's that too. I've got him penciled in for, for making the eight. I don't think they're going to be top four or anything, but I think they'll make the eight. Where do you sort of see them sitting once uh, the last round plays out? Yeah, pretty similar. I, I, I sort of had them three to eight. Um, I, I don't think we're as good as Penrith. Um, I think Brisbane's the interesting one. Obviously, they've had a few losses, so but I still think they'll be there or thereabouts. But the comp this year, again, like there's three you know relatively good teams that missed the eight last year with South, Cows and, and Parramatta. So... I think most of those or three of those teams go straight back in. Um, I think Canberra fall out, but I think we'll be in that, you know, that cluster between three and eight somewhere, I think. Um, I think that'll be pretty common consensus. Yeah, and to be honest, like I sort of think myself that there's Penrith and Penrith, I think, have fallen off to what they were. I think they'll fall off a little. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a pack of six or seven teams that are all in that tier two. Like it, it is a really competitive top four this year. So it's going to be really interesting what happens. Let's talk about the players for Supercoach purposes. And first of all, I'm just going to say Jack Whiten, we're not going to talk about because you can't start with him round one. He's he's going to have the suspension still. Uh, he's not going to be starting the season off. So that's why we're, you're not going to hear Jack Whiten mentioned as an option. But Latrell Mitchell was the gun last year for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And really, you know, he has been ever since he went across from my roosters. He averaged 77 points a game, and that's great and puts him in elite status. Uh, but it probably tells you how good he's been, Andrew, where you say 77 was disappointing because the two mm-hmm. years prior, he actually averaged 85 and 82. So the 77 is actually his lowest in a few years. And it's uh, it's interesting because I think there's two ways of thinking about Latrell. One of them is he's got the upside of eight points potentially because he can match 2022. The other is that uh, he sort of peaked and he's probably going to be a 70s player and there's a lot of competition. When I'm having a look at the numbers, he's obviously got the goal kicking, which gives him a 10-inch points onto his floor for Supercoach, but his base has remained really poor. He was 20 last season as a raw base. It was actually only 18 the season prior where he averaged eight points better. So it wasn't his base that actually yeah. made a big difference. It, it was all the assists. And I think that's what teams need to look at if they're considering the trail. He had nine tries last year, which is pretty decent. Um, but really, he's 22 points per game in creating stats, and that's his assists, uh, was 10 points down on the year before, which was at 32. So he lost a full 10 points year on year the last two years just in his attacking stats. And really, he's bread and butter these days. It isn't scoring tries. like We all often love seeing Latrell score tries. That's not his bread and butter for Supercoach. It, it is his assists. And that's where it needs to be. He needs to be back at what he was doing, not last year, but the year before, to be able to get to that eight extra points. You know, do you see him getting there? Do you see him getting those extra assists and um, and sparking the attack a bit more? I do. And I think a lot of that comes down to that combination with, with Whiten. I think they'll, they will sort of hopefully, you know, form something, you know, quite special out on the left edge. Tass, I, I quite like Isaiah Tass. I think he's quite a, a handy player, but you know, you've got a, a big damaging ball around the centres now. So hopefully they can form quite a combination. Um, I agree with everything you said. Like he he only had one game last year where he based over 30, which is pretty that's pretty loose for a fullback. <laughs> you know, that's that's not a whole heap. And that was his last game when he got Sinbin. So um 
I think he's definitely an option, and it's probably a theme for, I guess, the whole Rabbitohs team. Whether it's an option from round one, or whether it's he'll, you know, present himself as an option. You know, he might lose fifty or hundred k, and then you can sort of grab him. Um, I, I know I'm umming and ahhing about starting with him at, at fullback number two. Um, I am just a little bit worried about the Vegas uh, scenario, um, and then you know a few hard games in that middle there. But no, he's he's definitely. Uh, he's definitely there. I think he can definitely get back to that sort of 80 plus average with an 85, you know, maybe there's a little cap there. So, yeah, I agree with you. He, he can do it. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to say, I, I'm, I've ruled him out to start with. Now I think he's an elite fullback option and I wouldn't, if anyone was sold on him, I wouldn't say, no, you can't have Lachelle. Of course you can. No, he's elite, but three big red flags for me. Uh, one of them is his price. He's 789,400. That is expensive. And it's not like he's heaps cheaper than the other elite fullbacks that you can get. He's right in the ballpark of a lot of them. Uh, So that's one thing. But the other thing too is that if you have a look at his work rate at the start of a year, you know, and I don't want to bash him, you know, I'm not going to label him lazy or anything like that. You know, I don't want to be too disrespectful to Latrell because he is an absolute superstar. But we're talking about the base of 20 being low last year on an average. His first three games, he went, a base of 19, 20, and 14. Now, those are all 80-minute games, by the way. 14-point base in an 80-minute game for a fullback. That's not, you know, that's only the first few weeks. The base isn't everything, but it does give an indication of his work rate, and certainly at the start of seasons, Mm -hmm. it is pretty indicative of what he does. He doesn't seem to be quite match fit yet. It seems to take him a month or so before he gets there, and it just keeps happening every year. So, it is an established trend, and you can almost say it's a fact. Uh, the other thing, too, is that when you're having a look at his numbers, and this is the third and most important thing, first of all, he's been injured the last four years. He's played 14, 17, 14, and 16 games, right? So he's missing almost 50% of a season on average the last four years in a row, and he's going over to Vegas, uh, and they're going to have the jet lag and the unfitness at the start of the season. So that doesn't all bode well. But the last thing I'll put to you, Andrew, is that when you're going through his scores, you know, he's got a lot of the tougher teams that he starts with where he scores well, but not spectacular. Mm-hmm. And I think for that price, you want spectacular. So certainly round six last year, he hit his stride. He had three tons in a row. You know, six, seven, and eight, he went 146, 121, and 102 in those rounds. The 146 and the 121 were against the Bulldogs and the Dolphins. You know, and that can't be forgotten about that some of his biggest scores he was putting on against those teams. Uh, but the starting draw for last year, he had the Sharks, he had Penrith, and he had the Roosters away, and then he had Manly at home, and then he had Melbourne at home. For those five games, he went 73, 62, 66, 34 in 82 minutes and 67. Now, four out of those five are passable scores, but if you're playing almost 800K and you're going to get around about you know a mid-50s average to even a low to mid-60s average, it's going to be a bit disappointing. And... I've earmarked 2023 numbers, but really you can see inklings of this with Latrell in other years as well. So that's a worry for me for round one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is as well, like you said, it, it seems to be a bit of a trend and you see it even just taking Supercoach out of it. You, you see he sort of eases his way into the year, um, whether that's just because, you know, he's, he's, he is a bigger body and he's sort of, I guess, forward-like in his size. Like, he's a, he's a big boy. He's 105, 110 kilos. Um, so he just does take a little bit of time um, to get in there. Um, like you said, with the scores as well, if, you, if you're paying 800 or near enough to 800K to someone, you're sort of you're wanting, you're wanting bang for your buck straight away. If you are only going to get 60 to 65, then you, you can sort of get that from a few of those mid-range second rowers if you get lucky. So if you are paying for it, you sort of want to hope that you're getting, you know, probably at least one ton in that first three weeks to sort of make it worthwhile. Yep, agreed. And uh, to earmark him against someone else, or benchmark him, I should say, earmark him, benchmark him against someone else, uh, Guffo is a similar <laughs> price, and I'm very confident that Guffo's floor is 70-plus. So a better draw, um, no Vegas travel and everything else. And there is obviously other fullbacks, more expensive like Pong, that are, I think leaps and bounds ahead of Latrell. But Latrell is an elite talent. He's an elite super coach option. He can put 120 on anybody. So he could go out in Vegas and do that. So I'm not going to write him off, but the numbers and everything say to me that I'm not interested for round one. Um, during the year, certainly I'll, I'll be looking at him a lot. Cody Walker is your other big gun that you've got in your side. 
he's been a bit up and down the last year or two, Cody Walker, and he's coming into a season now where he's going to be 35 years old. He's also still quite expensive. So even though he had a bit of a down year, you're going to have to pay 705000 for Cody Walker. 580 is a bit problematic, so I think people will look at him. He's coming off a 69 average, which was good. It was 12 points better than 2022, uh, but it was less than his 2021 and 2020 averages, which are 84 and 74. So long story short, last off season, uh, I thought that he was valued because on a 57 average, you know, he had big upside. I thought he could go 65 plus at a minimum and and that extra eight or nine points was going to be worthwhile. He went 69 plus, but I actually started with Cody Walker last year. And I've got to tell you, it was very disappointing. So Andrew, his numbers to start the year for me last year, 30, 44, 42. That was his first three weeks. He then went on a bit of a tear, which was great, but the first few weeks really hurt him and it was a tough draw. Now, I would be very worried paying 700K for him with that. The other thing that happened last year is I think the 69 average masks the fact that seven out of his 22 games were sub 50. So about a third of his games were going below 50 points. So it was either feast or famine with him and it's not a great place to be at. So it had four tons. They're all against non-top eight teams for last season. There's a lot of flags there for a guy that had a 69 average. And I don't want to just bash your South players in Supercoach straight off the bat, mate, because <laughs> that sounds like what I'm doing. That's only early in the year, mate. Come on. <laughs> but, um, there's The 69 average masks a lot of other intricate metrics in his performance last year that are a worry to start with him for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think with Cody, I don't think he's ever going to go poorly he's always going to be sort of there or thereabouts it's just a matter of like he is just that you know he's that one year older um his form in Supercoach tends to sort of mirror how Souths are going as well so if they're going good and they're flying he scores good um but you know the back half of the year where Souths only won one or two of their last 10 or 11 games like he he only got over 80 once and there was a lot of scores sort of in the 40s there's a score in the 30 as well so if if you think Souths are going to start well then I think he's I want, he's definitely not value, but you'll sort of you you might get what you pay for. But I think there's probably better options at five eight. It's quite tough, like, but you'd probably just rather find a ne- that extra eighty grand and get to to Dylan Brown, which seems to be the popular option at the moment. But like he will be, you know, he'll be a top three to five five eight again, like he always is. He's he's going to be a good, you know, round three or four draft pick. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're probably going to get roughly what you're going to pay for, which in in the round one side is probably not exactly what you're looking for unless you're going to get the the superstar points, you know, the eighty pluses. So at some point he'll be relevant. Probably not for round one though. I don't think. Yeah, I tend to agree. And look, he's he's still a great player. Um, I did see some signs in the last two years that showed his age. It's always hard because guys are going to drop off. Everybody drops off. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan dropped off. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. And if you're turning 35 this year, you know, there is a chance that you drop off. So at a 69 average, I don't actually see any upside. Mm. I, I would pay for 69 points. And I've said this in other podcasts, Andrew, if you've got elite points, you're happy to pay for it and not get any value. It's fine. But if there's red flags or there's a chance that you're not mm-hmm. going to get those points, well, then you have to hesitate a little bit because, you know, I don't know if 69's in the bag for him. He might have 64 yeah. or 65 average. And for the first, you know, start of the season, and this is really important mm-hmm. when you look at splits, uh, he always, he fires in the middle of the seasons unless he has a really easy draw, you know. Um, when you're having a look at the middle of the seasons, he's averaged 67 and 76 in the middle of his last two seasons. Mm-hmm. When you have a look at the start of the last two seasons in the first 10 rounds, he's gone 52 and 74. So it, it de- definitely fluctuates between averaging 50s for a couple of months to averaging 70s. Mm-hmm. And with the draw, I just see him as being someone who he could actually not even average 60s yep. for the first certainly five or six weeks, and that's that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And the, one thing I reckon just from South's perspective, if, if Ilias starts well, I think that'll help Cody. A lot because it'll just take a lot of pressure on him not having to do everything. Um, so I think Ilias has a big sort of part to to play for how good Cody will end up going. Because uh, as we sort of saw the last sort of ten games last year, Ilias was quite poor and he was you know probably on the verge of getting getting a spell in reserve grade. And, and Cody's scores from from round seventeen onwards were you know were quite poor for a player of his standard. So if, if Ilias starts well, it might take a load off Cody. Um, Latrell might help out a little bit there as well and swing on that right side. So. 
all of a sudden Cody can sort of pick and choose when he wants to go and make every sort of play count. So I think Ilias has got a massive part to play. It's a really good point. And and I almost found that um that, that back third of the season, it was almost like Cody was trying to do too much. Yeah. Because yeah, Ilias couldn't create or couldn't do anything. And as a South fan, did you sort of think he was maybe overplaying his hand a little bit? And that certainly was relevant in the scores. Yeah, it, it sort of felt like, but it, not. I don't think he was sort of meaning to, because he's not really a big ball hog, Cody. He seems to sort of bite his side. Even, you know, when Reynolds was there, they'd sort of share it pretty well. But I think Ilias was just going that badly that he sort of had to get more touches, basically. So, you know, I think the two go hand in hand. Just if Ilias can just sort of hold his own, um, create something, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Coleman Tungy and swinging sides or whatever they're going to do, but I quite like their combination. So if they can get that happening again, all of a sudden, Cody can just sort of pick and choose a little bit when he wants to go, when he wants to swing to the right side. And then he's always got, you know, the, the left side's always going to be good. Um, it's just a matter if they're always going left because they have to do because the right side's doing nothing, then, you know, then all of a sudden his values might be a little bit different. Yeah, yep. And and look, with overplaying his hand, like I don't think he was hogging the ball as much as he was just making mistakes trying to make things come off. Um, and if you have a look at the super coach mm-hmm. numbers, like the first half of the season – he actually averaged minus three around about in negative stats. And for the second half of yep. the season, that was more than doubled. He was averaging mm-hmm. close to minus seven in negative in uh, super coach scoring. So, and that was just through errors and penalties. So, and that happens when you're, yep. you're trying a bit hard. Yep. Uh, I think that five eight as a position is going to bring Cody Walker into discussions. If he was a, I dare say, if he was a fullback, then I think that this would be the year that Cody really drops off. But because we've got obviously. Dylan Brown and Munster was even a little shaky at times last year. And then Daylight, it's it's probably Cody's going to be in the conversation. But uh, I would I would go Dylan Brown or I would even pay less than Cody. So how do you feel about that to finish up on Cody as a position at six? You know, for me, yeah, I, I'm paying less. Like, even a Campbell, uh, a Jaden Campbell starting at one um, for that extra money, you might even want to look at starting him if he's starting at one for the start of the year. Yeah, that's it. It's probably I can't even recall a year where the that one position has been as poor as is. Like you said, Dylan Brown's expensive, but you know what you're going to get. Munster's always good, and then like you said, it's Cody. But I mean, it's sort of third by default, really. Like it's you know we don't know how Jaden Campbell's going to go. Um, the cheapies don't look like they're going to appear. They might, but like there's not a whole heap there really. Um, but I'd prefer to go up to Dylan with the extra eighty grand. Then, then I guess sort of settle, I guess, for, for Cody at 700. To start, anyway, if he gets to 580 after that tough little spot, it all of a sudden becomes in you know massive calculations. Or if they leave him out of origin, uh, which you blokes tend to do for some reason, not sure why, <laughs> but um, like, and all of a sudden if he's available from rounds 12 to 20, then every man and his dog will probably buy him. So, yeah, and if he starts off slow as well, he's going to be, he, he will get at a value price. Like you'll get to 500K or something and you'll go, well, you know. Yeah, this could be go time for Cody. So it will happen at some point. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a real big wait and see. Uh, but Campbell Graham, another big gun for you for your South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah, seven hundred three thousand dollars center win. Now, I would say that's expensive, but you know you've got guys like Greg Marju is close to eight hundred. Brian Toto is an extra twenty five k or something. There's a lot of premium um, center wings, and I'm seeing a lot of people putting one or two in their center wing for round one. I don't see Campbell Graham in any sides, and it, it always perplexes me because Campbell Graham's one of my favourite favourite centres in the competition. A really good super coach player as well. It translates great to a career year last year at sixty nine points per game. It's probably glass half full, glass half empty for his super coach prospects in twenty twenty four. Andrew, some people are going to be glass half full and say sixty nine points a game is what Campbell Graham has always shown he could be. You know that that's him. He's close to a seventy point player. He's not the 63, 56, 61 we saw the three years before. Other people are going to say that's a career year and he's really peaked and, you know, he's probably going to be overpriced at 700K for round one. I could I could agree with either argument. Uh, I don't know which way it will go for him. The things that I like about him is he's just hitting his mid-20s. So I'm more confident in him to keep going at that, at that rate of 69 than Cody Walker to keep going at that rate of 69. Um, the other couple of numbers I'll throw at you, is he's, his base has always been great, and he had a 35 raw base last year, which for a center wing is fantastic. And he's he's around 53 for base-base attack. Now, it's a little bit down, a few points down on the year before, 
but not much. Mm-hmm. He's always going to give you that. And when you're having a look at his averages where he doesn't score a try, he still averaged 48. The caveat numbers, Andrew, he scored 16 tries last year, which is well and above what he's done before. It is five and nine tries the two years prior to that. So it is a lot of tries in there that he does not normally score. And 11 of his 21 games, he actually had zero tries because half of his try games were actually scoring in bunches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're getting more than 50% of your games at a 48 average, yep. that's a worry. And when you look at the draw, it's a worry. So I'm in two minds about him. Well, I want you to sell sell him to me because I love him as a player and I love him as a super coach option for his floor. But there is a couple of things to worry about with him too. Yeah, I think you and I are the, the head of the Campbell Graham cheerleading uh, club. I love him too. Uh, he's one of my favourite players to watch. I, I love him for super coach. He's just, if he was just even 50k cheaper, I'd try and find a way to get him. It's just that the seven in front of it tends to scare me off a little bit. He's just got such a great work rate. I think he takes that second hit up so well. Um, yeah, he, he's he's one of my favourite. Um, I actually had uh, Isaac Thompson to start last year and Campbell Graham scored a hat-trick on the wing in about 10 minutes. Uh, when Isaac Thompson got taken off against the Bulldogs. So that was the only time I think I've ever been angry at him, uh, I think. so. Uh, but no, I think he's a great option. Um, I think he will be – someone will buy him. Uh, he'll, he'll be well-owned at, at the back half of the year as one of your top four centre wings. Uh, just, again, it seems to be the theme for the night. Do you start with him? It, it's tough to sort of spend 700 in the centre wing straight away, but um, he, he will definitely be in a lot of sides at the back end of the year. He'll be a huge pod too. Uh, and he tends to stay a pod for a while because people, he just doesn't have the glitzy name that some of the other stars do. So, look, if somebody was really sold on one centre wing and they decided it was Campbell Graham, uh, I I wouldn't necessarily talk him out of it for round one, especially because he's got such a good floor, and I think that's a great thing with him. The other the other good thing is, like, whilst he's non, he, he needed a lot of tries last year for that 69 average, he wasn't just beating up on bad teams, which is something that definitely Cody tends to do. But, like, if you try and build a narrative that Campbell Graham was only scoring against the bad teams, it's not true. Like, the first game of last year, he put up 110 points against the Sharks. Uh, the next try he scored was against the Melbourne Storm. Uh, then he beat up on the Dogs with a, a triple, and then he beat up on the Dolphins with a double. But then he got a, then he got the triple against the Broncos away at Suncorp. So, I mean, the more you get in the list, you see, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to his try scoring his attacking ability last year. So with a harder draw, mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't matter to him as much. You know, I'd probably be more confident with him because of his flaw than someone like Cody. So I guess I'll give Campbell Graham believers that. And as president of the fan club, Andrew, you know, you're mm-hmm. probably happy for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I think, he sort of reminds me a little bit like of a middle forward. Like it seems to be if if he does play the harder teams, he tends to just do more work, basically. You know, there's more ball in plays, more kick returns, that sort of stuff. So, um, and again, for some reason, New South Wales don't seem to want to pick him in their side. So I, I cannot um, understand that. To... I've, been, I've been pushing for Campbell Graham for three yeah, years. Yeah, they'll find a way to get Katani Stags in there or something like that. Yeah, it's it's absolute craziness. Um, they'll get Bo Scott out of retirement before they pick Campbell Graham for some reason. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I I'm a fan. I'll own him at some point this year. It won't be round one, but you know, it probably in the at some point he'll be he'll be in uh, in my side as he is every year. Yeah, definitely. And I will finish off on Campbell by saying his base raw base is actually better than Kickouts. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Damien Cook, uh, look, we're going to get to a superstar, I believe, in shortly. But it's not Damian Cook. 65 points per game. Uh, that's down from his 75 in 2022 quite markedly. It's even down from his 2021 66. It's actually his worst scoring since he's been starting, basically, and become a superstar. You know, it's three out of his five last five years have been in the 70s. And this was his worst score in the last five years by far at 65 compared to his 75 best. It's a bit hard to pinpoint with him. Uh, Hooker is sort of like that number six position, Andrew, where it's a bit tough. And I think people are saying, if I don't want to pay for Grant or if I want an alternative, who is there? At 663,000, Damien Cook's there. He's much cheaper than what Grant is. And he looks like a good superstar option. But unfortunately, when you're going through the scores, his base was down a little bit, um, only a few points a game, but it seems like, those few points that keep getting ripped off his base has really taken a toll on his scoring. 
Um, the second lowest base since 2017, if we're looking at it. Now, you've only got a variance of around five points max when you're looking at his base. But it, it's still for someone who's only got 65 points a game. If he's going to lose four or five in his base one year, it makes a big difference to his super coach scoring and his value. And he just does not seem to be getting near as much attack anymore. Um, so in 2022, we did have, you know, career career best eight tries. Back to earth with three in 2023. But three is probably his average. Like you probably expect Damien Cook to score about three tries. He's not a try scorer. So it's been made a lot of, Andrew, especially from South fans, that the lack of running that Cook has had at times. I thought last year he started in some games, especially at the start of the year, he's running a little bit more than what we saw the year before. But then it seemed to go away. Um, I really don't know what to make of Damien Cook other than I feel like in his 30s now at his price point, I just don't really want a bar of him anymore at nine. And it feels really bad to say because I've always been a big fan. Yeah. And, and a very, like you said, very similar to the 5-8 position. I think he's sort of in and around that mix just because there's just not a whole heap um, in hooker. There's also, uh, I know Mamazelis just signed for three years as well. So, like, there's that sneaky chance. I don't think he will, but, like, what if he ends up on the bench as well and Cook plays 60 to 65? You can't be paying 660 grand for him. So, uh, he, he's probably a no for me to start with. Um, I don't know what New South Wales is going to do with their origin side this year. So, you might get him uh, as a good buy option, um, you know, as a second hooker to Grant eventually. Uh, but no, not not for me to start the year. Like you said, three tries is about average. He's usually going to score about three three to six tries. Um, but just you know, father time, as they say, it, it, it's undefeated. So uh, yeah, not, not for me this year, Cookie. Um, but yeah, still love him as a player, obviously. Yeah, and it has to be said, like uh, with some players, I'll say, oh look, they had a couple of reduced games. He played fifty four and sixty two minutes in two of them, so there could be some value there. With him, that, that's normal. There's always some games with Cookie where. Yeah, he has some um, some spells, and Havili could be on the bench as well. Who doesn't necessarily need yeah. to spell him regularly, but it could be occasionally, which will which will hurt him as well. So, yeah, I, I think that there's just better, cheaper options or better, expensive options in Grant, and that's that's unfortunate. But I do want to talk about someone that I am a fan of, and that is Cam Murray. Now, Cam Murray had a bit of a down year as well, uh, in some respects. Anyway, it's interesting with Cam because I think. He's got a 63 average, and it doesn't look too bad. But when you benchmark it against what he was doing the years before, it's it's an exceptionally disappointing season. And I think a lot of Cam Murray owners last year really felt the brunt of it when they were owning him because he had some real low scores that we're not accustomed to. Um, I thought with a leadership role and with him being 26 years old, he's hitting his prime. I expected a really big year from Cameron Murray last year, and we just didn't get it. And I'm not too sure why. Um, and this is... The puzzle it is Cam Murray for 2024 season. He played the most minutes he's ever played at 68 minutes a game in 2023. Yet he scored the least that he's you know scored since he basically became a gun and a star. Uh, before the 63 points, he was 71, 70, 68, 69. Very consistent around that 70 mark for four years until he hit his 63, and it coincided with the most minutes that he's played in a season per game. His base was still solid around 50. Um, so when you're unpacking the numbers and stuff, it is kind of hard to see what's happened. But the main difference seems to be from his assists. Um, these assists were well down um, by about six points a game. And it, it's a bit of a – I thought he would have been ball playing a little bit more, but he just it just didn't seem to come off and translate to super coach points. And pre-origin, which was you know pre-round 13, he only averaged 59. Uh, and that's something that – we don't normally associate with Cam Murray throwing up a heap of 40s. You know, 57% of his games, he went 60-plus. That's the worst he's done in, in five years as well. So all the metrics, Andrew, say it was a terrible season for Murray and it should be buyer beware. Or all the metrics say that 63 points per game, there's at least six or seven points value there. And the tougher matchups don't matter for the start of the year because he's a forward that's going to make a heap of tackles and get his points from work rate. I tend to be on that glass half full side of the fence, um, but his price point is going to be 639000 Some might find that expensive. I actually think it's a decent price for Cameron Murray for round one. I think it's a great price for Murray. I think it's $100,000 more expensive than that last year and people were, were paying up for him. So, um, no, I, I think you, you mentioned the ball playing last year. He seemed to do a lot of before the, before the line passing um, in 2023, which uh, it, it looked good, but it doesn't actually sort of 
accumulate any points. Um, so I, if, if I'm paying up for a Ford, I think he's pretty close to the one I want to get just purely based on the price. I think he, he, from all reports, was absolutely devastated how they finished the year last year. So I think he's got a massive point to prove um, as the captain because, um, you know, no one expected South since the eight last year, but they did. So I, I think he's the one um, in that, you know, 600 plus price range that, I think you can spend up on if you're not going to go to Fafita. I think he's 10 points undervalued. Uh, he, he barely had an assist at all last year, just sort of going through his creative stats. There's a lot of zeros in there, which is unlike him because his ball playing is usually so good. So, yeah, I if I can find a way to get him, I'd like to get him. Um, you know, also things like, you know, Burgess is probably in his last year. So there's some, not that minutes are an issue, but, you know, he's probably going to have to step up a little bit. Arrow potentially might be going to the edge. Um, and he's got Talis Duncan in there to sort of give him a bit of a hand as well. So he might be able to be a little bit more impactful as well. So uh, I'm a big fan. And if I can swing some funds, I'd, I'd like to start with him um, because I think he's the one that's probably slightly undervalued out of all those guns. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at considering starting with him round one. And he's probably the only gun from South Sydney that I'm considering it with. So I'm, I'm on board with everything that you said. And I think that the... The big takeaway from last year for me is that they, you know, obviously they're under a bit of pressure. Demetrio is a different coach than what Wayne Bennett era was, but he was happy to play him 68 minutes a game last year still. And that included a lot of games in the middle where he was playing lower minutes. You know, minutes in the 50s, even a 31-minute game there as well, right in the peak of origin, in the middle of origin. Um, The start of last year, he played 80 minutes, 60 minutes, 67, 82, 72, 75 you know, he's playing 70-plus in four of his first six contests. And if you you know, go out a little bit more, it was actually six out of his first nine contests, he played 70-plus minutes. Mm-hmm. So Demetrio's ability, like him wanting Cam Murray out there was very evident at the start of last year. I'm going to go with the, the trend that that's going to happen this year and Murray getting those type of minutes, mm-hmm. I'm all aboard for. And I also don't like your bench, mate. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in your take on this with the, the sort of teams that are getting thrown around. Like you've got guys... I don't mind Kepi as a signing, but he's not going to play huge minutes. Um, Talis Duncan's not going to play huge minutes. Yep. Avili's not going to play huge minutes. Shaq Mitchell can't play huge minutes. His fitness is obviously a big question mark, and it's just not mm-hmm. the type of player that he is. So when you look at that, it, it all seems to bode well for Cam Murray to continue to get those early minutes like he did in 2023. Yeah, agreed. And like like you said, and it, we do have a lot of those guys who will call it like they are middles, but they're not like guys that can come off and play 45, 50 minutes in a game. Even Burgess now, like he's a, he's a 35 to 40 sort of guy. So we'll sort of get to him a bit later. But I think that pushes Arrow to the edge, which takes more middle minutes out of the middle. So I can't see him not pay, playing 65 plus in the majority. Um, so, yeah, and I, I just think he's so important that they sort of have to leave him there. He's a great link between Cook and um, both the halves. Uh, like I said, I just, he's too good a player not to have out there. I always get really nervous from an NRL perspective, like you just don't want to bloody kill him because he was worked his ass off so much that he sort of walks off at the end of the game and looks like he's run 48 marathons back. He's back, not the so. biggest bloke in the world either. Oh, he's, he's I love him, mate. He's my favourite player. I just, I, I and for, for Supercoach, I, I do think he's, you know, eight to 10 points undervalued. So if not many people are going up, to, everyone seems to be sort of rolling with the middies in the second row forward. If there's one guy that I would spend on, it's probably him. I don't want to say he's foolproof, but like I, I just he went 59 average for the pre-origin period last year. I cannot see that happening again. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's priced at 63. You're not going to get worse than that, and I think that you're probably going to get 65 plus, like very confidently. So mm-hmm. even if it's just a couple of points, it's still a couple of points of value. But you've got the upside of 70 plus. So mm-hmm. I'm. I'm a big fan of looking at him. I think that there's value there, and I think that your floor is going to be what you pay for, which is much better than what a Cody Walker or some of his teammates are going to be for their floor. Uh, big Ball's pod time. Another back rower there, Kalamatangi. I have loved watching Kalamatangi become the player that he has the last few years. He he would have played Origin, I believe, if he didn't uh, end up out injured, but... He ended up at 61 points per game, which was a disappointing year because the last couple of years before that, he's built up from 60 points per game in 2021 to 67 a game in 2022. And I thought that he had that 70-plus potential as a second rower. And he's come in and, and scored six points less year on year. When you're having a look at it, it's it, it's another expensive proposition, but he's 
only he's at six hundred twenty six thousand. I don't see it on the expensive side for what he's shown he can do. Um, he can very well get back to that sixty seven points per game, six points undervalued. I think a lot of people associate Kalamatangi as an edge back rower that scores heaps of tries and needs that to score well. He only actually had five tries last year, uh, so it wasn't a huge amount. And you know, finished the season bad, but round one to ten he actually had a sixty nine average and started the season on fire. There was rumblings as well that you know when he came back he was still you know, carrying fitness and injury issues and stuff as well. So he was averaging sixty nine in the first ten rounds. I certainly see him as that type of guy. Uh, and when you're having a look at him as an edge back row, he's actually only five points off Cam Murray's base. You know, a 45 raw base for an edge back row is very good. So I like everything that I see about him, but he's also a guy that only 39% of his games last year went 60 plus. So there is that little issue, um, but most all of his games were 45 plus bar one. So you know that you're not going to get an absolute stinker out of him too. Big balls pod. It could go over for two tries in four games, and it could be against any opposition, and that's the type of player that he is. So, Colin Matangi, as a hand grenade big balls pod, I wouldn't talk anybody out of him, uh, but there is obviously risk, Andrew. No, I love him. I, I, I owned him at the back half of 2022, and he just seemed to be scoring every week. Um, I think the back half of 2022, I think he was averaging over 80 for the last eight to 10 weeks, and I had him for all that, so I was stoked to own him. Uh, yeah, uh, as a as a pod, absolutely. Uh, great draft option as well because, like, you know, people will sort of be sort of um, going to, I guess, the, you know, the spine positions. But I, I like him as a draft guy as well um, because he's he does have that you – know, he's got 100 in him and he doesn't need a double to get 100 either. He's got hundreds with only one try and that's good going. Um, he offloads, he fends off, he tackle busts. Uh, if, if Ilias is on, then – I'm assuming Colin Matangi says it right. I'd be very surprised if he goes over to the left. I know it's been sort of reported, but uh, if Ilias is going good, then Colin Matangi probably goes with him. So, no, huge fan. Yeah, 104 points with one try in round three, and his other ton came 100 points in round 14 with one try as well. So definitely got that in him. Uh, Controversial chat or mistake category. It's really bad doing this, but Munro has been getting a lot of steam from the masses in the preseason. Now, he's, he might he might not be available for round one anyway, so that's going to solve some problems. But we're going to talk about him like he might be. If he's in the side round one, um, I've seen a lot of people, especially when the picker came out, saying they're all over Munro and they're really into him. And I don't want to say I don't get it because, I mean, he was kind of – he was look, very fast, made a lot of line breaks in his few appearances, scored two tries in his three games or three tries in his three games or something. Uh, 483,000 though, I just don't get the interest. And I think it's a mistake. And when I look at his numbers, the first thing that I said to myself in my head, is this guy just Alex Johnston light? Because that's what he reminds me of. <laughs> you know, we do only have a three game sample size. So people will say, oh, Barzi, you don't know about his work rate yet. It's only three games. That's fair. But you also don't know about his score, his scoring rate being, you know, 68 points a game either because it was only three games that he scored 68 points per game over. Uh, one of them was a single try for 65. The other one was a double for 91. And I think it had an extra line break in there. And the other one, he made a line break and got 47. So looking at his base, it's a raw base of 17. Uh, it's uh, That's a really bad base. And it does remind me a lot of the AJ before he bulked up a little bit and before he put in the work where he just had no base whatsoever and all he was was a try scorer and he you know would score you 10 or or 70 and that was that was it Munro looks like that but he's also coming into his second year of NRL and his first year only played three games so I don't, I don't I'm not writing off him as a as a young prospect as a as a blue chipper he looks like a fantastic young prospect and player but for super coach I don't understand the interest at 483,000 I don't have any as a South fan, are you, are you feeling it any differently than what I am? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, like at some point, maybe. Um, I think AJ likes a good way to describe. Like this guy looks like a superstar, but he's he's a string bean, isn't he? He's not he's not exactly a big you know Macaulay Ravalawa bumping off tackles or anything like that. He's he's a he's a light, fast um, winger. I, I, I don't know if he gets picked just more because I just think well, it might be different with White in there. But like I I think one thing Souths have missed is some go forward out of their back three. Like we've had AJ, who's obviously been a, a phenomenal finisher. Latrell's, you know, we know what Latrell's like. He's only going to give you eight to 10 runs a game. He likes to pass he's off to his winners too. Yeah, exactly. So like, I'm just more from a, from a tactical perspective. Do we need to get a bigger body there 
like an Isaac Thompson or Isaiah Tass. I, I would be happy to have Tass on the wing. Um, hopefully not Tane Milne. I, I, from more reports, he's a great guy, Tane, but if he could just stop head-highing people, that'd be lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, I, I think well, I think they should try and get a bigger body back there. Um, yeah, I, I don't see it for round one. I don't even think he gets picked. I'll be surprised if he gets picked. I think he's probably going to start. He's only a young pup too. He's only 18 or 19, so... I think I think he's going to start in reserve grade. He'll play, he'll play first grade this year at some point, but uh, yeah, not for round one. Yeah, plenty of time for Munro to carve out a good NRL career, but for Supercoach, even if he gets picked round one, I couldn't go near him at that price. Uh, fallen guns, Alex Johnston. He had his lowest try since 2019. Uh, so that was quite a fall down on the try scoring markets for him. In saying that, he has been a big try scorer in the past. Can he get back to it is going to be the big question. And the other question as well with Alex Johnston is 58 points a game is a fallen gun. Even if he could just get back into the 60s, is he going to be worthwhile? Because the two years before he went 68 and 73, uh, and he actually went well over 50% of his game scoring 60-plus. Uh, but last year he fell down at 48. 48% doing 60-plus is really good for AJ, even though his tries and his scoring was down. Because, you know, if you go back to 2019, for instance, 17% of his games, 2020. 42% of his games in 19 appearances. Getting towards 50-plus percent going 60-plus for a wing is really good. Um, eight out of his 23 games, he actually went 70-plus. Yeah, that's that's one of the things with him, isn't it? It's either a feast or famine, and, and you did see that. He has gotten a lot better with his low scoring, but he, he still had three games in the 20s. Uh, sorry, four games in the 20s, beg your pardon. And you just don't really want that for that price tag. He's going to come in at 596600 You know, it's a real in-between price tag. Maybe if he was sub 500, you could look at it better with a, a better draw. But the draw just about kills him. I don't think he's going to remain a fallen gun. I think that he'll go to about 60-plus average. But I don't think he's going to be good for the start of the season. Uh, and I don't think that I'll be looking at him until that origin period myself. No, I agree totally. He'll he'll be in people's teams as he is every year from about round eleven round eleven onwards. Um, I think South will have a better year, so which means he'll score more tries, which is great. But even I remember even last year being Scarborough, I think South had the Dragons in around that Origin period, um, and he, he got a twenty in that period as well. I'm sort of sitting there going like, oh, surely this is a hundred in this game. That no, obviously not. But no, he'll be relevant at some point. Um, can't start with him. Yeah, he only got the two tons last year too, which was which was low for him. One of them was a, a hat trick for 107, which a hat trick for 107 is not great. Yeah. So yeah. it's not it's not it's not not what you're looking for really. You want a bit more bang for Definitely. that. Definitely. Um, interesting to see his season because he's another guy, and this is a theme with your roster. Not to go off topic a little bit, but there's a lot of guys actually not quite hitting their years by date, but we don't know when that's going to be. Now it could be any year because he's in his 30s this year himself. Um, so he's got probably you know a couple more years left, but you all of a sudden your foundation guys like like Cody and AJ that have been there for ages are, are hitting their thirties. You know there is some guys that are getting a little bit older. Um, Cody mid thirties and AJ in his thirties. So it's a bit of a theme with some of your roster. But we want to talk about a young guy here. I want you to tell me the spin on young Talis Duncan made as a South fan because I don't know a huge amount about him. I've seen a little bit of him. He is pretty popular at the moment because it's been thrown about that he might start on an edge. At 321000 he's got the right price for a mid-cheapy discussion, and that's the category that we're going to hit on before we finish up. Uh, $321,000, do you? how do you feel about Talis Duncan for 2024? Yeah, I don't get it because, I, for me, I can't see him starting on an edge. I, I just I don't see how that fits in. I think he's great coming off the bench. Um, I think he did such a good job for us as a, as a, as a young guy last year. Um, sort of following sort of Cam Murray around everywhere uh, as a middle and as a mobile middle. Um, I, I don't I don't see where the edge cat chat is coming from. He might have played a little bit of edge in the in the reserves and stuff like that, but I'm fairly certain that Arrow and Colomatangi are going to be the edges. I could be wrong, um, but I if he starts, you pick him. If he doesn't start, you don't pick him. I think it's pretty much as simple as that. Like like you say, he's a great price if you can get a guy, even if he only plays you know 60, 65 on an edge at three hundred and twenty. You know, he only needs to get 40, 45, and all of a sudden you've got 10, 15 points of value. But, yeah, I, I don't think he does start. Um, but a huge fan as a player. Uh, I think we've got a real good one there. I'm fairly certain we coached it for you boys too. I think he was a Rooster Junior, so that's that's a bit of a rarity too. 
Well, no, you, you do like to do it occasionally. I mean, you also <laughs> you took the trail office as well, so you know it was that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I I totally agree with you for super coach. I I don't see him starting anyway. Um, and to be honest, like I'm not even sure if I put him straight in if he's starting because I'm going to ha- ask big questions about his minutes and his role um, and his ability to get 60, 65 minutes on an edge if he does start. I I just don't really see it. So. Yeah. We'll wait and see with Duncan. I think the preseason's going to tell us. Um, the last two mid mid guys that we're going to talk about, though, I've got huge interest in, I have to say. Mm-hmm. First one is Jai Arrow, who you mentioned before. Now, Arrow, like you said, is probably the more logical option to take that edge spot. And I think with him, there's a lot to like, but people aren't really looking as much as they should. So Arrow is 466000 not as a second row forward, but a front row forward. I love it because there's a lot of guys in the 400s in the second row forward spot that present a lot of value. Obviously, everyone's got Sean Lane in their side at the moment. He's the most owned super coach player right now. Mm-hmm. But a front row forward, we've talked about the desert. We've talked about how you don't want a, a real crappy player for your second front rower because you've got to play him all the time every week. Jai Arrow, 466,000, could be the guy that we're looking for. The duel is helpful to move around your team. But if he starts on an edge, he's going to be playing big minutes. Uh, and I think at 466,000, if you can get him starting on an edge and playing sort of 70 plus minutes, that's going to be ideal. Um, so his base goes up by about seven points when he's on an edge, just basically due to the fact that he gets all those extra minutes. So when you're having a look at the numbers from 2023 to 2022, 2023, he was almost exclusively used as a middle, you know, even more Jersey eight as a front row for half his games. Uh, he scored 46 points per game, which is where his price points from, and only played 50 minutes. And that was a result of him playing as a middle most of the time. In 2022, he almost played exclusively just on the edge, and he played 70 minutes a game at 56 points per game. He very easily um, has 10 points of value straight up. If he's starting on an edge, he's probably going to get 70 minutes plus. He's probably going to score 56 plus a game as a, as a floor. Even if he scores a few less, like even if he goes down to 65 points a game, he's still going to be at around 52 points per game, which at a price point, it is only six points of value. But a front row forward, you can kind of fudge that a little bit from what I normally like of nine to 10 points of value to be good and say, well, at front row forward, I'll take it because there's not much mm-hmm. there. So I just think there's a lot to like with Arrow, mate. Yeah, I'm all over him. Um, I, I think I'm I'm relatively confident he starts on the edge. And um, as you mentioned, in that 2022 season, if he didn't play 80 on the edge quite often, what would happen? They'd have Jacob Host on the bench. So Arrow would start edge and then just float to the middle. So he didn't have playing something like a you know 30 minutes on the edge or 40 minutes on the edge and then another 25 to 30 in the middle. So all of a sudden, you're sort of getting a bit of both worlds. You're getting the, the heavier base. Um, from playing those minutes in the middle, but you're getting the time on ground um, from being on the edge. So he's in if he starts on the edge. And I don't, uh, as front row two, I think that's great. And the duel, like you said, it just adds a little bit. Um, there's not a whole heap of duels, and he's one of them, and he's and, you know, quite an attractive price. I mean, it's only a 46 average. Like, so even if he does play in the middle, like I think at absolute worst, he gets to his value. Um, and as we've already sort of spoken about, none of the middles on the bench are big you know, 45, 55-minute guys, they're, they're all, you know, 30 to 40-minute at best sort of guys. So I know Murray's, you know, playing going to play some big minutes, but, like, he's got to play 50 minutes, even if he is used as a middle. But, no, I'm fairly confident he starts on the edge, um, and he's in for me as we speak. Yeah, I think that he's either edge or bench. Um, I, I can't see them doing anything else with him. Um, it's got to be said as well. Like, it's. I think he starts because I don't know – I don't think they're going to start Kepi and I don't think they're going to start Burgess. So it'll be Totola and him, oh, I yeah. think. Okay. Yeah, that could happen too. You're right. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm pretty bullish about him. Um, I'm pretty bullish about the next Totola who we're going to speak about soon as well because, mm. like you said, they're just – they're under 500. They don't have a buy until round eight. So I, I just think there's a fair bit to like about both of them, to be honest. Yeah, and like I've said in prior podcasts, when you've got a team with a tough draw and if you don't like it, it doesn't matter if you buy the forwards because it doesn't affect them really. You know, Arrow scored zero tries last year, so he doesn't care about the attack. He's not going to get any. He had, yeah. in, in Supercoach scoring, zero points per game in scoring last year, zero points per game in creating. It was all about his 42 <laughs> base. So he, he didn't have a try. He didn't have an attacking stat. So it doesn't matter for him with the draw. That's actually That's actually hard. That's actually very hard to do. <laughs> it is very hard to do. What it does do is present upside because the two years prior, he scored two tries a game. Uh, so, you know, he's 
He's actually in the last, before last season, if you look at his five years prior, he went two tries, two tries, no tries, one try, three tries. So a lot of averages, he's going to get maybe two tries this year because that's normally what he kind of does. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, when you do per game, you know, you've actually got a few points there just from him doing that Mm -hmm. in a couple of games. Um, One of the things that I will say with Arrow, though, just so it's not an Arrow fan club here, Mm -hmm. I... I'm not selling him as like a five-star pick. You've got to get him in your side. He is meat and potatoes. He's not going to get you any hundreds. He's he's not really even going to get you many 70s or anything. He's just going to be 50s and 60s plotter who is going to be really useful in your front row forward spot because there's not many options there. He might take a long time to make 100K, but he's not going to give you any bad scoring. If he's, you know, 50 minutes a game, does he repeat 46 points a game if he's playing as a prop? Maybe. But, yeah, if he's on an edge, you can rule that out anyway. So I'm a little bit not as bullish on him if he's a front rower. Um, but if he's a starting edge, I, I like it a bit more. Um, but Totola, I've liked Totola for a couple of years. Tell me your thoughts on Totola as a South fan. Yeah, huge fan. Um, and I think we miss him a bit. He was sort of, sort of not, not in and out of missing games and stuff. He sort of seemed to be carrying a lot of niggles last year. So... Um, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. When he and Selay were going sort of together last year, uh, we looked by far at our best, even during that sort of last ten weeks where we were pretty ordinary. Now I'm 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 a big fan of Junior Totola. Yeah, and look, he's going to come in at a real cheap price for your front row spot, four hundred thirty-five thousand. Very very cheap, and again, he's not going to be a guy that blows it out of the water. Like he's not going to come out and, and go sixty-five points a game or anything. So it's all about expectations. He is priced at a 43. And if you can get 50s out of a guy, it's solid enough scoring in the early rounds. 2022, when he came in and was starting at Souths, he played 23 games and averaged 51 points. That's eight points of value. In 2023, he played a one-minute game to start the year and got knocked out off the kickoff, if anyone remembers. That hugely hurt his average. Yes. Um, yes, yes. He then missed the next week with a concussion, came back um, with a 53 base for a 53-point game, playing 52 minutes. Injured again, lost two weeks, came back and uh, played reduced minutes at 30, injured for two weeks again, and then basically just kept going on and on where he he wasn't actually healthy. But if you go through a lot of his games, uh, in the middle period in particular, he was playing around 50 minutes a game and scoring around 50 points a game. And and that's basically what he did the year before last. And that's what we can expect from Totola. At 435,000, if you can get 51 points a game, that's pretty good value. The other thing that happened with Totola too is that he scored no tries last year. Now, he's not an attacking weapon or anything, but he scored four tries and had five line breaks in 2022. Okay, so yeah, he did a little bit that year, and he has shown a bit of a power game near the line, but he just didn't have it last year. He only had 15 points in base attack the whole of last season. And I just have to think that last year is an outlier that's presenting value because he was injured constantly because he's got a one-minute game in his scoring and because they need him, they do not have any front rowers that can play decent minutes, and they do not have any decent front rowers that are decent. You know, like Burgess is done. Uh, Shaq Mitchell's a bench player. They, they don't have front rowers. So I'm expecting a good year from Totola unless he gets hurt again. And if he's fit and firing in the preseason, he's a serious consideration for me as my second front row forward for some value. Yep, agree totally. No, I think it's a great price. Like I said, price on a 43, which, I mean, he's not going to, I can't see him playing any less than 50. I think 50 is about his number and he's rolling in around a point a minute. So he's a good one to just sort of lock and load there, front row forward two, uh, and just sort of leave him there until he, you can sort of do something a bit better with him. He's also a great one, for, again, for draft because you just sort of basically leave him to last and just sort of play him in it, play number 15. Um, and he's just going to get you 50 points in front row forward. So, um, yeah, both those guys are really, really interesting. I Like, it's sort of... I even had a little draft where I had both of them in there, but it just looked a bit too weird. But um, so I, I think I'll be fairly certain I'll be starting with one of them. And if Arrow's on the edge, he'll be the one for mine. Yeah, if Arrow's on the edge, it's going to be interesting for me because I don't want to start with both. And I'm not sure which one I'm going to choose, uh, to be honest. I'm, I'm probably going to side with Totola because it's going to save me 35K or 30K. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's going to be the deciding factor. And I also, I think that Totola is going to be a, a 50 to 60 guy. Uh, and there's always a realm of possibility that they play him, you know, 53, 54 minutes. And on his PPM, that might give you 58 points a game. And all of a sudden up front row, that's, mm-hmm. that's really valuable. I probably see him as a as a cheaper option to give me the same as Arrow 
um, if Arrow is firing on on the on the edge. So, but I, I like them both. I, it's hard to start both of them, um, but probably edge with Tatola, mate. That is the podcast for South Sydney. Uh, there's a lot of options there to talk about. It's a funny one, isn't it, with South because it, it's. Normally you gravitate to loving all the guns and then you've got to talk about the mids and cheapies and stuff and the guy. I love I love the mids on South, but I don't really like the guns very much. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like they're I think we will have South Sydney guns at some point in the year, but they're all quite awkwardly priced to actually pick up from round one. So I think the, the guys we just sort of finished speaking about, Aaron Totola, are probably more uh more attractive than than the big boys. So yeah, no, it's it's gonna be a, a very interesting year for the South Sydney guys. Well, it's going to be very interesting year in Supercoach as well. Thank you very much for jumping on the podcast as a guest to talk about Seas. Really appreciate it, Andrew, and uh, good luck with the podcast and uh, and the cricketing. You're coaching at the moment as well, aren't you, for the cricket? Yeah, pretty much uh, living down at Valley's Cricket Club at the moment, mate. So much of the uh, much of the test of the wife, but that's okay. No, nah, it's sort of a new coaching. Um, it's about 48 degrees every day up here in Brisbane, so it's um, we are, as soon as I get home, air, the aircon the aircon straight back on. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, you enjoy the aircon and uh, you enjoy the Supercoach season and the South Sydney season, although not against the Roosters. Uh, <laughs> and for everyone else, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can uh, download or stream on Spotify, Amazon, SoundCloud, iTunes. We're everywhere. Make sure that you also subscribe so you get them straight away and also make sure you follow us on the socials. On uh, X, you can get us on NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And we'll be out with a uh, another episode with a team preview in a week's time. We're dropping at least one team preview every week around a Thursday or Friday. So look out for them or just subscribe and you get them straight away. Until then, enjoy playing it around with your team. Enjoy the jigsaw puzzle that is Super Coach. We'll chat some more footy with you again real soon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.